Welcome back. It's Get Geekish, another podcast, uh, new weekend. Uh, Bino here, Derek over there. Thank you so much for joining us. What's going on, Derek? Uh, you know, same old, same old. We've got kind of reeling still by that announcement that was made, was it earlier this week or earlier last week? With the uh, When We Were Young tour? Yes, if, if you have been anywhere on social media recently, you've probably been flooded with notifications of all your friends sharing the posters or the doctored Photoshop versions of the When We Are Young Tour posters. Because I, I think I've seen 20 or 30 different things where people have tried to use it in the marketing or jokes or things like that. But big, huge festival bringing back all the emo bands to Vegas. I'm not going to lie. When I first saw it, so I was telling you this beforehand, when I first saw the flyer for it, I thought it was fake. I thought it was just somebody using clip art and, I mean, in Canva, basically, and taking labels of their bands, like, you know, the images of their favorite band names, everything like that, and putting them on, like, this would be a sick lineup. because it, exactly, it looked like the book cover of my high school social studies right? book. <laughs> that's exactly what it looks like. It looks like somebody just took their favorite band stickers and posted them on here. I'm like, man, this would be a sick lineup. And the more I look at it, it's still, it, it doesn't look real at all. It doesn't. Um, Live Nation I, I question you, there's, there's a lot of bands on there that I don't think would be on the same bill at any other show, like especially for a show that's branded around one particular genre. It seems like they've spread their wings a little wide there. Yeah, I, and I'm just looking more at this, and like the more you stare at it, the crazier it gets. Because and when we've talked about this with our previous podcast of like when emo was good, you know, like the early 2000s. And that's exactly what this is, is like if this happened in the early 2000s, when all these bands were in their prime, the world would have imploded or would achieve world peace. One of the two. <laughs> um, but looking at this now, I, I, I still cannot grasp how this is real. And especially when it was announced, it was the one day festival in Vegas. Right. Mm hmm. There's what fifty bands on here, give or no, maybe not that many, but still, there's there's, there's a lot of bands. <laughs> there's a lot of bands. If anybody, if if anybody's listening to this that's been to a festival, you know how much of a cluster those are. You know, I went to a couple of them in in Colorado, and it's just one of those ones where you're like, okay. Um, the band I want to see over here is playing at the same time. One of my other favorite bands is playing and that's a way across the compound. How are we going to do this? You know, it takes some timing out. This is what two stages in Vegas is what they said. And you said that somebody did the math where it's just 22 minutes, basically. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, I, I look at it and I want the thing to succeed, the thing to have and be amazing, but it's, it's, it's not, it's, it's, isn't it put on by the same people that put on the Pyre Festival, which was a complete disaster and ended up in somebody going to jail and lawsuits and all kinds of stuff? It's also by the same people who did uh, Astro World. So take that as it is. I'm I'm more looking forward to like if this is real, if this is actually happening, I'm looking forward to forward to the Netflix documentary because there's even bands that tweeted out and everything like that. Like, uh, I guess we're playing this like they had no idea. And like you said, it was probably one of those ones where it was the. Hey, this might be a good thing to do. And they took that as a yes and just went with it, mm -hmm. which we've seen that happen before with gigs. Yeah, like, hey, hey, guys, we would like this band to play this festival. Oh, sure. Send us some information. We'll see if we can make somebody. All right. They're going to be headliners. OK, put them on the flyer like that doesn't. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. We didn't agree no. to anything. <laughs> yeah. No. And, and being in the radio industry, you know, 
being from the radio industry, I should say, we we've seen kind of how the that the the back of that where you know somebody might reach out to a band and they'll they might say yeah maybe we can work that into schedule and they'll take that maybe as a yes <laughs> yeah, we're gonna the, do this the music industry is just full of a lot of people that that latch right on the so you're saying there's a chance right <laughs> i mean it's, it's we've seen it with comic yeah, here, here go five the, this is 12 hours three stages 63 bands oh they've added another stage chaos they probably got some in there but that i mean that many bands in that short a time frame even if they do all play it they're going to be on stage for like three songs and then have to clean up make room for the next band it's it's going to be and if you madness. well and that's another thing is if you've been to a concert you know the switching of gear is not a i mean it can be it can be a quick process but it's not it's and it's you know since a lot of bands have that very particular meticulous type of thing I don't. I don't know. I don't. I just. I don't see it going well. I see a lot of people being mad. Where is it? It's in Vegas, but where is it at in Vegas? Like the MGM Fairgrounds, or something? I don't even know. Uh, let's look out. Because the the reason we we started talking about this whole thing, and I, I, we're not going to spend thirty minutes bad mouthing the when we were young festival because it's, it's no. I, honestly, <laughs> like, I don't. I we again. I wanted to succeed just like you do because this is an epic lineup, and most of these bands I didn't know we're still together so that warms my little emo heart that they're coming back and they're going on tour and this is a huge thing for them but at the same time i cannot imagine the headache that it's going to be for not only the concert goers but for the bands themselves mm-hmm. because you got some big names up here and if they're only playing three songs that's gonna piss off a lot of people yeah and a lot of those bands you see some of the names and some of them you know they're they're not doing a whole lot now but other bands on there it, it's they're not cheap if you're going to get some of those bands coming to play it's like that you're <laughs> well and that's the thing too is i mean you know what my chemical romance just did their whole thing right before the pandemic started and they sold out concerts around the world within minutes and they're one of the huge headliners of this with paramore and it's like um what i mean i'm sure you're gonna have some bands that are like hey we're just happy to be here type of thing but see, see what i wonder maybe this can open the door because vegas is known for a lot of things and they have a lot of these uh you know residencies where celine dion plays there for years or britney spears has her show that goes on for months like that is this gonna open the door where there's gonna be like some other genres of music some metal bands or emo bands or punk bands are gonna be able to have these residencies like all right so june through september you're gonna get to see my chemical romance five nights a week at the mgm grand along with headliner you know opening acts tba or something like that like (laughs) well see i think i think one one step further because i think like with bands I don't know if it'd work as a residency because I mean, a lot of them are just high energy and they get burnt out. But what if this would open up the door for more nostalgia, not necessarily festivals, but more nostalgia get togethers, right? Like um, a a reunion show of sorts. I mean, yeah, because I mean, you know, when we were growing up, we always heard about the Rolling Stones reunion tour and they're still doing them. But I mean, that was one of the things like you had all these 70s bands doing the reunion tours and, you know, I scoffed at them when I was younger. But now that I'm older, I'm like, I wish some of my bands growing up would get back together. So maybe this will open up the door. You know, you brought up some 90s. 90s punk, you know, 90s punk pop, uh, early 2000s punk pop, maybe, and some of those punk pop kind of go into the emo realm, but maybe, just maybe, not necessarily a festival, but it might bring some of them back around. Well, I, I think it's funny you were asking about like dream lineups for a show like this, and I think my response is, well, 
uh, pretty much for 15 years of my life, my dream lineup was the Vans Warp Tour just about every summer. <laughs> Being well, big a- into the, the, the 90s and 2000s pop punk bands and punk rock bands, it, that was the tour du jour. Like almost every band you loved was playing on that some leg of the Warp Tour. <laughs> well, that's the thing, too. Is this, does this give an opening for the Warp Tour to come back? You know, um, I never went to the Warp Tour. I was supposed to go a couple of times, but I never ended up going. I always heard it was miserable, hot experience because they always had it at a parking lot for a while um, at Mile High. Well, see, I loved it before they moved it to Mile High. Not okay. that I'm better than anybody for it. I'm just older. <laughs> Used to be back at the Brighton County Fairgrounds, which had grassy areas, big trees for shade, all this kind of stuff, which is a great venue for it. And I remember one year went to the uh, went to the Warp Tour. I want to say it was probably like 98, 99, somewhere 2000. I don't know. But no, it had been whatever around that time. Back and it day. was a giant monsoon. So that particular year, I think, I want to say AFI played and Papa Roach and Less Than Jake and No Effects. And Less Than Jake and Papa Roach and No Effects are some of the last bands. But it was an absolute monsoon. And they almost canceled the show, but there was no lightning, so they let the show go on. So it turned into almost like a Woodstock-esque mud pit of us sliding around in the rain uh, during Less Than Jake at you know 3 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon for the final act of that year's Warped Tour. Oh, it was magical. <laughs> oh, man. People's when cars it, were stuck in the parking lot afterward. They couldn't get him out of the mud holes. Oh, man, it was good. But, I mean, and that's the thing, too, is, you know, with Warp Tour, with, with, oh, man, what was it? The uh, other festival that happened that they did, the Mile High Festival. I don't remember what it was, but. Like Oz, we talking about like Ozfest or something? No, like no, there was, a, there was another one that was only like a couple years that lasted a couple of years in Colorado and it happened at Dick's Sporting Goods Park. Um, Tool headlined there. That's the one that I went to. And I remember it was just kind of like going back and forth. It was just, it was exhausting. And that's what I'm saying. Maybe this all opened up the door, maybe not necessarily for some festivals, but maybe for some kind of, like you said, reunion tours, but without the cobwebs. The cobweb sounding on it. <laughs> it seems like there's a good excuse to get some of these bands together and play something where they could play a weekend or play a couple of shows and not have to go through the logistics of going across the country and do an entire mm-hmm. tour. I'd be like, hey, look, we're going to get these guys together. Can you guys get together for three dates for a show in Vegas on this time? Oh, okay. Maybe we can make that happen. Well, and I think that's the thing, too, is like you look at a lot of the band. I mean, I mean, being in a band, if you look at their touring schedule, you know, uh, a lot of people don't realize that it they're usually playing a show, hopping in a bus, driving to the next city, playing that show and getting like next to no sleep. I mean, we've heard some stories, um, but and that's that's another thing with this is you said that this is three nights now where they added an extra night like the following week. Yeah, something like that. I don't understand how that's going to work, but I don't know. But I mean, like, I don't know. Like, everything's like I said, everything's red flags about it. But you know, it's hopefully it works out. But I mean, if you haven't heard about this, go look on social media. But some of the bands they have listed mentioned: My Chemical Romance, Paramore, AFI, The Used, Alkaline Trio, Dashboard Confessional, Taking Back Sunday, A Day to Remember, Avril Lavigne, Boys Like Girls, Senses Fail, Silverstein, Thursday, Bright Eyes. Atreyu, Jimmy, Jimmy World. World, 303, The Ready Set, 
Glassjaw, Seosin, Mayday Parade, We the Kings, the starting line. Like it's a lot of bands. And it just keeps going. The list just keeps going and going and going. And uh uh there's been some good festivals around, but it brings me back to the Warped Tour Festival. Of when you said about Dream Lineups, do you know some of the bands that have been on the most legs of the Warped Tour? Blink-182 is probably up there. Uh, no. What? Actually. I feel so, like they were at every Warped Tour, man. <laughs> so the number of bands that have played 10 or more Warped Tours, Less Than Jake, Makes Simple sense. Plan, okay, Anti-Flag, Okay. Real Big Fish, Motion City Soundtrack, oh, Motion City Soundtrack, Pennywise, Silverstein, okay. and Some Forty One. Really, all, all, the, all those bands. They go to the next thing. Bowling for Soup's been there nine times. Motionless and White, The Vandals, ran out nine times. Uh, Atari's Big D and the Kids Table, Bouncing Souls, Every Time I Die, Lords of Brooklyn, No Effects, Used, and We the Kings played eight times. August Burns Red, Bad Religion, Flogging Molly, Four Year Strong, Guttermouth, Mayday Parade, Newfound Glory, Senses Fail, Set Your Goals, Shira Girl, Story of the Year, Test Done, and Yellow Card all played seven times. God, you still haven't even mentioned Blink yet. No. Blink. See, that's the thing is like. Blink, we played Warped Tour six times. What? See, that's, that just blows my mind because, like, I don't know. I like, And that's the thing, too, is like, you well, know, keep, a lot keep, of these... keep in mind Warped Tour, like, Warped Tour a lot of the bands were not necessarily it was it was just the beginning of the the commercial success for the pop punk the skate punk that that kind of genre for it like blink was uh, you know we go for i guess offspring green day uh blink 182 with some of the first commercial successes that were selling out big arenas across the country right mm-hmm. so at the time a lot of these huge in the punk and pop punk and skate punk land huge bands you know they were moderate successes they they were not selling out arenas anywhere they were selling out small to medium-sized venues well there's, there's the same same thing too is like a lot of these a lot of the headliners at warp tour were openers for some of the bigger bands mm-hmm. um and i know a lot of i know a lot of bands looked forward to the warp tour um, yes, it was exhausting. You know, they're constantly just going, going, going. Um, you know, it was just a day of just bam, let's do it. Um, but I think it was just a lot of exposure for them. I mean, this was back in the era of MySpace where you'd hit our band, you're like, oh, cool. And you go to their MySpace page and download a couple songs. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, or vice versa, you'd hear about them on MySpace. You go, oh, they're playing Warp Tour? Sweet. And you'd go and buy some merch. And they, that's how they'd get their exposure. I'm kind of sad that Warp Tour's kind of gone the way of the dodo, but like I said, maybe something like this can open up the door and let them know that there's a market for this. Granted, it's going to be a whole bunch of geriatric people out there partying with their eyeliner on, but <laughs> <laughs> you know they can maybe have Advil or I'd be you know Tylenol be the sponsors of it. And <laughs> well, I think it's funny the music industry kind of turned its back because the, the basically everybody seemed to make fun of them. I mean, even when we were doing a lot of radio stuff back in the day. There was those classic rock bands that were still going on tour and playing county fairs. And he was like, man, Sticks and Journey and Boston, you guys are still going on tour. Like, okay, just hang it up. It's time for done. But 
at the same time, it was refreshing when you go see some of those bands that you know that they've played that one hit wonder they had in 1974. They've probably played that song 35,000 times at this point, but you know what? Fans are here to see it. Let's break it out and just right. went, in, went all in with it. And there was something for nostalgia's sake. People that were huge into 70s rock would still go see 70s rock bands today. If they showed up anywhere near their town and a lot, it kind of got made fun of to the point, but now it's reached the point that a lot of us don't even want to, you know, accept the fact that the music we listened to in high school is now considered oldies and classic rock by younger kids. Well, but it's, there's it's, a nostalgia factor ugh. that could be cashed in on if these bands are still together making music and would still play a concert that has some of the music that people loved 15, 20 years ago. There, there's there's a place for it. <laughs> oh, that hurts so bad. But I, I agree. And it's one of those ones, too. It's like, you know, you look at, you know, and it, we even kind of poked fun at, you know, back on radio is like these bands from the 70s and the 80s playing these county fairs, everything like that. You're like, eh. But right now, I'd much rather go see that than go stand in line and stay up till 11 o'clock at night to see a band at a venue that I really enjoyed and go, you know, go on a Sunday afternoon. Oh, they're playing at five. Sweet. Give me a turkey leg and let's let's rock out to some bowling for soup. You know, mm-hmm. I'm all for that. And let, let's be mm-hmm. honest. Speaking of county fairs, we saw both the All-American Rejects who were on this mm-hmm. festival and Reliant K at the Greeley Stampede, which is a rodeo. <laughs> <laughs> well, granted, those were, you know, the, we had to stay later, if, you know, or, but that was back in our younger youth days. <laughs> but even that, those concerts were done by 11 o'clock, period. Yep. It had to be. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, some of the, it's, festivals are some of the weirdest thing. There's, I, I think back to some of those lineups of the the shows and festivals that I saw years ago that were opening acts. You're like, oh, yeah. And then they end up being huge, huge successes. I remember seeing, I think, the used before they even had anything of a hit, they were the second opener for a Goldfinger show I saw down in Denver. And I have this old Polaroid picture where you can kind of see their banner that looked like somebody done it at Kinko's with some black lettering that said the U's hung up halfway above the drums. Like, oh, wow, I did see them. Wow, crazy. <laughs> or, it, I mean, look at the Imagine Dragons show we saw when they came through. We got to see yep. it in some tiny little venue, and we were at the Aggie Theater with what, probably two hundred people watching I wouldn't Aggie even say, Dragons play. I wouldn't even say there was two hundred people there. No, no, it was there. They were there were nobodies, and they blew us away. And then two years later, they're the you know, biggest name in music for it. I think uh, one year saw Katy Perry at Warp Tour on one of the side stages. I was gonna say yeah, Katy Perry played one of the Warp Tours. I mean, even look at Andy Grammer too. You know, we we followed his journey basically. Um, you know, to where he's kept stopping by the station and everything like that. And then like a few years later, he's singing the national anthem at the Super Bowl. And we're just like, <laughs> or like even, maybe as a playoff game. I don't remember, but I'm like, we're like, what? What's going on? And, you know, now he's, his songs are popping up in commercials. Uh, it's sang and pitch perfect. It, it's kind of his cool to see these things. Yes. Yeah. We're not, we're not plugging him in anything, but check it out. Um, but it, it is funny to see that because I remember seeing, you know, Panic. Yeah, they were headlining their own tour, but they weren't as big of a name at the time. Um, you know, Newfound Glory opening up for Green Day. The, you know, just all types of things. Bowling for Soup. You know, it's crazy how all these things. And I would hands down, actually, Bowling for Soup played here not too long ago, well, close to here. And I was like, oh man, I want to go to that, but I didn't. But it's one of those ones too, where it's it's like it's more appealing to us now and. 
we're not struggling in our 20s because, <laughs> you know, let's be honest. Sometimes it was like, oh, I bought these concert tickets. Now I'm going to have to eat ramen for a week, two weeks, a month type of thing. The concerts are out of control, along with everything else. I, I, I remember buying tickets of Warp Tour, and they were, you know, like $43. Like, man, $40 for this? This is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Now, I can you see a concert for less than 40 or 50 bucks a person? Like, um, n- Yeah, like a no-name, I'm sure. Well, I mean, for a, a touring act. The last time I tried to look up concerts for um, going to, like, Red Rocks or something like that, for mm. me, the wife, and the kid to go to Red Rocks, I'm, I'm talking... Hundred and eighty to two hundred and seventy dollars just for three seats to go see a show. I'm like, uh, I miss the days of three dollar punk rock concerts in the bowling alley of the basement of the university center. Like, that was that was it. All right, speaking of, you mentioned Blink One Eighty Two on the CSU campus. Blink One Eighty Two before they made it big, they played at the Ramskeller, one of the best shows that was ever there in the basement of the university center at Colorado State University in a campus bar for like 200 people <laughs> or you have like yellow card that stopped by and played moby which you know moby's not necessarily a big arena but it's it's pretty big name to come through for it's just it's crazy i, I think how music, the music industry took this weird they didn't know what to do with it because they had the 70s and 80s of the stadium rock and it was okay we got We'll pick out these 10 or 15 winners every year. They're going to make us millions of dollars. They'll mm-hmm. be the biggest names in music. Everybody will know who they are. They'll be big superstars that sell it. And then, oh, yeah, they can have some of their concerts. And then it moved on to the 90s and 2000s, and bands suddenly wanted to have their own creative freedom. Imagine that. And the music industry was reeling from the music downloads because they weren't making hand over fist for pieces of plastic with music on them. And they didn't know how to figure out to the thread that needle of, you know, make let a band have creative freedom, go on tour, sell merch, concert sales, ticket sales. They were just experimenting with it. And there was a lot of misses. There were some great bands that had almost no commercial success because things were timed correctly or they were marketed wrong or they tried to force them onto the bill of somebody else because they thought, oh, well, let's let's put them on the opener for this show because that'll get them a lot of, well, that, that's a different kind of music there, Mr. Music Man. Why, why are you having a... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I was trying to think because there's a hundred percent like there was a couple bands where I went and saw them, and like the opener wasn't necessarily bad. Where I actually dug up and I ended up buying the CD, but it, it had nothing to do with the type of music that the headliner is playing. Right? It was just it was two different animals, two different like you know people came here for the headliner, which I'm trying to remember who it was, but you know my brain. Um, but it was one of those ones when the opener came out, I felt so bad for him because everybody was just. Sitting there on board. You know, you had a couple of diehard people who knew where they were. You know, I found him on MySpace. I listened to him on Fuse TV, you know, that type of stuff. Um, I heard your I heard your music on Fresh Crops, but they were a different pole than than the headliner. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I you 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 hit it on the head with they didn't know how to capitalize on that, they didn't know how to market, they just kind of threw stuff together like, Oh yeah, you're you're going with this. Mm-hmm. And I, I can think of a handful of concerts that were very much light up with that. And I enjoy the concerts because I have complete music ADD, and you've been around. If I put my music player on random, you get the Bee Gees and Oingo Boingo into Slayer and Children of the Bodom into, you know, like it's all over the place. And I love train wrecks of genres. But most <laughs> people don't. Most people pick a genre or two and they kind of stick to it. So you get a big crowd of people at a concert, and 
the one that sticks out the most to me is at the film war. We saw Cake, Tegan and Sarah, and Gogol Burdello. Okay. How, those, how those three got on the same bill for a tour, absolutely mind-blowing to me. Uh, <laughs> we saw another one that I saw one night, my friends saw the second night, and we had completely different experiences because the night I went, the crowd loved it, and the, the sec- next night the crowd hated it, but it was Flogging Molly, Andrew W.K., and some super, super crusty, hardcore New York punk band. And I mean, they're kind of the same genre, but think, side by I, side by side, it just it was off. And my night, people were loving it, but apparently the next night, people were like trying to boo Andrew WK off the stage because they got it was just he was not their cup of tea, and it was it was an odd thing. <laughs> I think I think that's the whole thing is like record you know record labels would look at it and go, you know, sometimes you know we've all met them. We're like, oh yeah, they kind of sound like them. Let's let's put them together, and it's. It's like, yeah, maybe that one song kind of sounds like that, but if you listen to the rest of them, it it's 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 different. <laughs> yeah, they, they were they were banking on their decade too late thought process of exposure sells records. Mm-hmm. As long as you we know, get this band in front of a bunch of people, sell a bunch of records. Like, not if you put a band in front of a bunch of people that already hate them. <laughs> well, and that's why I think you know going back to the when we were young tour, because I mean that's what this is kind of what stemmed this podcast is like. You look at it and. Yes, a lot of these bands are emo or the pop punk. They fit that genre. Would they have necessarily toured together? No, not at all. You wouldn't have AFI touring with Paramore or Avril Lavigne. You know, you wouldn't have Jimmy. Well, I'm sure the Jimmy World may have toured. Jimmy World toured with everybody, but <laughs> um, you know, looking at some of those, like you, you wouldn't necessarily have some of these bands in the same lineup but with this tour what they're going with with the nostalgia every emo i mean hands down if you're gonna listen to one of these bands there's there's a good chance you listen to damn near the rest of them i was gonna say how many how many of the bands on this festival have you actually seen in concert before Uh, a lot (laughs) (laughs) but that's my my chemical romance i've seen i don't i never saw paramore live I did. Saw, saw AFI a couple times, saw Alkaline Trio a couple times, saw The Used a couple times, saw Taking Back Sunday a lot, saw Dashboard Confessional. I was going to say, I think that's one that comes to mind right real quick is like Dashboard Confessional opened up for Panic at the Disco at one of the concerts that I went to, and it was so weird. Because, I mean, Dashboard Confessional, yes, is kind of emo, but it's like more acoustic emo, and it, it kind of just felt off. And like they were co headlining, so I was like, this is okay. You know, it works. It works. Uh, I don't think I've seen Avril, but I've definitely talked to her on the phone, thanks to radio. Um, <laughs> she called in, and we we did an interview that way. Um, the one, the basically the one that sticks out on here that I have not seen is My Chemical Romance. I know that comes to shock to a lot of people, but I just I never made it around to a My Chem show, mm. and and I then they broke up, and I was like, well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> trying to think of who else I did. Glassjaw put on a good show. I saw them. Uh, starting line. I saw them. Yeah. Oh, starting line puts on a good show too, though. Bayside, All American Rejects. I mean, it's well, the horror pops. Yeah, that's a... I feel like this is more of a rockabilly type thing, isn't it? I don't see, and that's why you look at this like 
again, Bright Eyes, great bands. Not necessarily hard emo, but it, it, it'll work, I guess. I don't know. This is basically like taking my iPod from the early 2000s and just going pew. <laughs> so that's why I think maybe this, this might work. But again, after hearing the stories of people trying to buy tickets, I'm fine standing on the sidelines and seeing how this plays out. Let them work the kinks out because maybe this will become a reoccurring thing. Maybe this will become like a, you know, like how they have EDC in Vegas and everything like that. Maybe it'll become a reoccurring theme and they'll kind of switch up some of the headliners and everything like that. And you'll be like, all right, you know, let's do this type of thing. I don't know. Seeing it makes me excited, but at the same time makes me go, man, is there going to be seats there where I can sit down? Because <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> Remember how we used to make fun of people for sitting at concerts? Oh, yeah. As soon as I realized when I got to show if I get get there early, get the upper deck seat with the uh, seats in the front of it, I was a, I was a happy person. I realized mm-hmm. that was probably not cool anymore. So, yeah. <laughs> I remember sitting down at a Muse show going, this is nice. And then going, why am I sitting down? Oh, yeah, my feet hurt. What's happening to me? Do you remember? I was thinking of one of the festivals I went to, like back in the day, I think it was late middle school, early high school, Channel 93.3. Back when it was the adventure, had a huge music festival they put on every year. Mm. It was at Fiddler's Green. No, it was before Big Gig. Okay, I think, I think it was called the Big Adventure, maybe. The oh. the prelude to Big Gig. Yes, yeah, whatever it was, but they had, they did it for a few years ago. But I remember back then it had been oh probably what ninety three ninety probably ninety ninety two or ninety three, and I got to see Sublime. Saw Bradley Knoll shooting up some drugs underneath the bridge at Fiddler's Green. Face to Face was on the second stage. 311 was on the second stage. Because they, they were this new band that just had that one, this down song. It's making some radio waves. And <laughs> there was a whole bunch of great bands that we saw. Uh, who was the big, uh, I think, Giggy Todd? No, uh See what happens when you get old, your memory fades. <laughs> the, <laughs> I, I don't know if we can say this word since we get broadcasting, but the uh, the <laughs> other word for bottom ponies. And I had the, little, the song of little born out of wedlock person. <laughs> the uh, bottom ponies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. The, the fa- fanny, fa- fanny ponies, is that better? Took his ponies? No, it's not. <laughs> But that was, that was a good festival. Oh man. man, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to relive some of those sometimes. There is a there's a lot of '90s bands that I wish they would get back together, and maybe this will open up the doors for them. I mean, you know, you look at it now. Like we've had '90s bands come through when we did Taste of Four Cones. You know, you had Third Eye Blind come through, Sugar Ray, um, Smash Mouth. Uh, yeah, live. I, was, I was I was gonna say Live, um, Collective Soul. You know, the, they they came through, which was you know was it was nice because you were like, oh yeah. There's a lot of those bands that most people in general, even myself, you, you hear a band, you go, oh, yeah, they, they had that one song or one or two songs, and they start playing, and you realize a lot of those bands that were successful that you would think of as one-hit wonders had a mm-hmm. lot of songs you remember hearing or you had on, because back in the day when we had to get CDs just to entire albums, you just, by chance, you bought a CD for a song, and you listened to it 5, 10, 15 times. You heard those other songs. My favorite part about Taste of Four Collins and just festivals in general, but like mainly Taste of Four Collins, is you have these bands that were huge in the 
mid to late 90s come through, right? Sugar Ray is the one that pops off my head because people always know Fly, right? And you can see that the people are there just for that one song. And then when they start playing some of their heavier stuff <laughs> off, off of the Wait, albums. What that, is this? I know. Everybody's like kind of looking around. You're like, yeah, the Sugar Ray was kind of heavy, guys. I, mean, I hate to say it, but <laughs> they, they kind of were. <laughs> so it, kind of so, heavy. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> kind of for mid 90s. But it was one Mark of those ones. Mark McGrath that, heavy. It's one of those ones because, I mean, if you listen to it, you know, you know, I just want to fly there. Like, yeah. And then it goes into something else off that same album. You're like, what? <laughs> so I don't know. I, I don't know about you, but I, I was I was rocking out when they played Speed Home California that show. Oh, man, dude, I was so happy. <laughs> and that's the, that's the song I was talking about. You know, they're doing that and everybody was like, what? <laughs> Play the Play- bedpost song. <laughs> every morning, every morning. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I don't know. It, I like we keep going back to the when we were young thing. I just don't know how it's going to work logistically. Um, you know, you're going to drop. I don't even know if the tickets. They're like the starting tickets were like two hundred and something dollars. We had to put a down payment, didn't you? It was like tickets were starting at nineteen ninety nine down. Mm, yeah, that was just a down payment, but I think they were higher than that, and that's just yeah. it made no sense. And then, like you said, you're doing the math of all these bands in one to two nights you're getting maybe here's here's some of the signed print they added the third night and you can sign up for your pre-sale code so by paying them twenty dollars right now you're signing up to get a code to try and buy a ticket before they go on sale to the general public and by signing up you authorize the festival to send up to 10 automated messages regarding this pre-sale Code does not guarantee purchase. Tickets are available on first come, first serve basis while supplies last. Um, do, 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 do. Then they say that twice. They actually, in the fine print, they repeat themselves twice. That the pre-sale code does not guarantee you a ticket. They're probably like nobody's going to read this anyway. But we have you know this under our belt just in case they come back and go. Ah, pre-sailed. It's too bad. Maybe this will open up the door for some of these bands to go. Okay, people actually want to hear us again, and they'll go back on like you know a mini tour and they'll hit up the smaller venues. Uh Oh, yeah. General admission. I didn't even. Two hundred and fifty dollars. Hmm. General admission plus is four hundred and nineteen dollars. Except for uh, oh my gosh. VIP tickets are five hundred and twenty. VIP cabanas are twelve hundred and fifty dollars, and hotel and ticket packages starting at five hundred dollars. I mean, that's the thing too is you're looking at the GA is just two hundred fifty. That doesn't count airfare or driving out there plus hotel accommodations and food. So, yeah. So uh, that's that's I, I look at the band list I want to go, but I look at the logistics and I go, I want to watch this on TV. Yeah, can you guys live stream this, please? <laughs> I want to sit yeah. on the couch. <laughs> and it, it, I feel like it, it's interesting because this has become a, a bit of a cultural phenomenon because of how many times it's been shared and how many people are talking about it. Mm-hmm. But it hits all kinds of different parts of me because part of me gets in the stuff like, oh, man, I love these bands. It'd be great to see a show. And then part of me gets some nostalgic. I feel old because I can't think I can live survive through music festivals like this anymore and <laughs> it awakens the old curmudgeon and you go damn there's a lot of money i can't afford that <laughs> for tickets to a concert you gotta be kidding me i got bills to pay 
Back when I was a kid, we used to get concert tickets for three dollars, and there'd be four bands, and sometimes they'd have a fourth, fifth band if they had time. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, so know. there you go. I'm not, I'm not sure what the purpose or the the exact uh, what we call it the uh, the main thought of this podcast, other than. This festival got us talking about other festivals, other types of music, and and how old we are. Yeah, uh, the, <laughs> is is this festival going to ruin people's taste for a lot of these bands, or is it going to open the doors for something new to happen with nostalgia tours or nostalgia shows? Honestly, if this opens up the doors for these venues or like some of these bands to come back through and go on a tour with just themselves or one other person at like some of the dive bars around here. Then I will do it because you know those tickets will be like twenty twenty five bucks. I will happily pay that. Just get me in the door. Let me rock out. I don't have to deal with the stress of you know missing out because that's another thing. I look at this and like I have FOMO because what if AFI is playing the same time as you know a day to remember? And I'm like I I you know type of thing. So yeah, if, you, if, you, if you convince a band to have that thing to play a small venue, like look. We're not going on tour. We're not trying to market this. We're not trying to make you the next big thing. We're literally going to get 2,000 people that loved that song you put out in 2001. I want you to play that album for everybody. Here's some money. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. There's got to be some bands that might get back together and you know mend some fences and get some handshakes from bad breakups. And say, okay, I could play a weekend with the dude. How, how big is that check? Okay, yeah. Right. <laughs> I don't it's, like, it's a second chance for music and love. And again, if this is a big dumpster fire, then I'm looking forward to the Netflix documentary. That is true. There'll be there'll, <laughs> there, there, There's a good chance there's going to be a lot of very, very runny eyeliner. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. All right. Well, let us know what you think. What do you think of the When We Are Young Festival? And um, what band would you want to see in full glory that isn't going on tour anymore? Let us know at Geek Geekish, and we will talk at you next week. About the butt ponies. <laughs>